Well, good morning once again. Happy Easter. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it, even though we can't be together like we'd want to be, even though we're doing this online. Today is still the Lord's Day. And not only is today Sunday, not only is today the day where we normally get together to celebrate and to gather and to hear from God's Word, today Easter Sunday. Today is that day. Today is that day we celebrate. Today is that day where we rejoice in the fact that he is, he is risen indeed. Um, if you have a, a Bible or an app, you want to go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 is where you want to be. Um, where But get there and get your finger there because um, we will get there. As you're turning there, uh, even though we're doing this, there's still a bunch of people that need to be thanked uh, for making Easter weekend happen. Those two good-looking gentlemen that were just up here, Daniel and Rita, time to do that awesome Good Friday service. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check out our Tenebrae service, it's on the Facebook page. You need to check that out. Very, very cool. Um, Daniel and Reed put in a lot of extra time and energy to make that happen, as well as um, our brothers from Addison Street Community Church, Pastor Will um, and Lucas did a lot of the editing and camera work, so thank you to them. Um, Leslie Rico uh, made the awesome, I just want to get out of the way and just let that, that's just cool. Um, and I, I don't want that to ever come down, really. Um, that's fantastic, so thank you, Leslie. Everybody who uh, spent time praying yesterday. We took uh, yesterday from 10 a.m. all the way through till this morning at 10 a.m. People took different hours of the day to pray for CF, to pray for our world. Uh, thank you for being involved in that. Um, people who put up their signs in the windows to spread truth and, and, and encourage people. Uh, thank you for everybody who do that. Keep doing that. That doesn't have to just be an Easter thing. Let's keep on um, putting out truth and hope uh, to people um, through that as well. So everybody, thank you. Uh, I, love, I love this weekend. It's a lot of people coming together uh, to celebrate and to uh, engage with one another. So um, as I said, we're going to be in Hebrews 2 today, uh, and we are going to be wrapping up our My Name Is uh, series this morning. And so um, we have been looking at the different names of God, the character of God, and, uh, and so we want to um, continue with that. And so uh, God is with us this morning. That's the name we're going to look at today. Emmanuel, God is with us. I know this name, Emmanuel, is normally associated uh, with Christmas. In fact, we did our Christmas series, we did our caroling series, and we looked at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and we uh, studied that name of God. And so, uh, but this is a name of God that doesn't just have to stay in, East, or stay in Christmas. This is a name of God that is deep, and powerful and important, especially now as we celebrate the resurrection, as we celebrate what Christ has come to do. Emmanuel is hope. Emmanuel is a longing. Emmanuel is a, a promise to us. This name actually only shows up three times throughout the Bible. It shows up uh, twice in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, and then shows up once in the New Testament. And that one time in the New Testament is actually quoting one of the other times in Isaiah. But even though this is a scarce name throughout the Bible, it is a powerful name. God with us. The almighty creator of all existence is with us. He came to us. He showed up here. And so this morning, we're going to look at four reasons why it matters that God is Emmanuel. Why it matters 
that Christ is with us, that God is with us. We're getting intense zooms going on. We're going to look at the fact that God is revealing himself to us, that Jesus identifies himself with us, that God is trustworthy, and that we are never alone. So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to jump in this morning. So please bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. For our sake, Lord, help us to experience your transforming resurrection power within our lives. God, this morning we offer our prayers, we offer our lives to you, that we might be the lights of the world you have made us to be. Lord, as I preach this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be glorifying to you. We pray all of these things because of Jesus and in his powerful and awesome name, amen. So we're going to get started with Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel means God reveals himself to us. In Hebrews 1.3, it says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. He is God in the flesh, fully and completely. God walked amongst his creation. When you read the Gospels, when Jesus speaks... Those red letter words, if you've got one of those red letter Bibles, that's God speaking. The things he did, that's God in action. The decisions he makes, the focus he puts on the weak, on the suffering, on the hurt, on the sick, that's God at work. When you come to a situation in your life and you say, how would God want me to act? How would God want me to move in this situation? What would he want me to do? A good idea is to go to the Gospels. Go to the Gospels and look at Jesus. What did Jesus do in a similar situation? How did Jesus move? Because that's a good idea of what God wants you to do. Because Jesus acting, Jesus interacting, Jesus in the Gospels, that's God moving. And we can take note from that and respond the same way that he did. Emmanuel means that God showed himself. He revealed himself to us. He wants us to know him. God has made himself knowable through Jesus. In John 14, 7, Jesus said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, do you know, from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Whoever has seen me has seen the father. We can know God by knowing Jesus because Jesus is God. God is revealing himself to us, and that has always been God's desire, to be known and for us to know him, to have a relationship with us. If you go back to the beginning, if you go to Genesis 3, sin enters the world, chaos, relationships are broken. Adam and Eve go into hiding, and it says they heard the, the footsteps of God walking in the cool of the day. They knew what it sounded like for God to be walking in the garden because he had done it before. He had been with them. Back then, it was just Adam, Eve, and God in perfect relationship. He knew them. They knew him. Before there was sin, before there was rebellion, it was man and God with each other. And over and over throughout the Old Testament, God takes these people, his Israelites, his people, and he continuously reveals himself to us, shows up and says, I'm with you. I am for you. 
He gives them direction. He gives them, here's how to live as my people. He even gives them instruction. Here's how to make what they call a tabernacle, this roaming, moving worship place that they would set up. And God would descend and would show up in smoke or in a cloud of a, a, a cloud around the tabernacle. And he would say, look, I'm, I'm with you. I'm tangibly here. Over and over, God was making himself known. And then we see Jesus walk the earth. Emmanuel, God with us in the flesh. And even if you skip to the very end of the book, Revelation 21.3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. It also says in that same chapter that there is no temple anymore because the place to meet God, the place to interact with God, is with God himself because he's literally there. It also says there will be no more sun or moon or lamps because the light of the world, Jesus, is with his people. God wants us to know him. That's always been the plan. That was the plan in the beginning. That's what we see happen throughout the book, and it's how we see it in the end, God with his people. And in the middle there, we see Jesus showing himself that God is with us. Emmanuel means God is knowable. He is not some cosmic, distant, disinterested, disengaged, disfranchised spirit or being or force. He is knowable. He is relatable. He is a character to him. It's what we've been studying all year long, the names and character of God. God is knowable through Jesus. So even if you haven't been paying attention all 2020, or this is your first time jumping in with us, either way, that's okay because you're here for Emmanuel, God with us. Because in Emmanuel, we also know that God is Jehovah Sekenu. God is our righteousness. Our right standing with God comes through Jesus. In Emmanuel, we know that he is Jehovah Shalom, God, our peace. Our peace with God, our peace with one another comes in and through Jesus. You see a pattern forming. In Emmanuel, we know about El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. He is powerful. He is so powerful that sin, death, the grave, Satan himself could not stop or hold Jesus. In Emmanuel, we also know about Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God provides. He provides what we need, when we need it, how we need it. And most importantly, we needed a savior. We needed to be saved from our sins, saved from ourselves. Jesus is that savior. In Emmanuel, all of the character and person of God dwelt and is knowable. God is knowable, and we can know him best by studying Jesus, by pursuing Jesus, by looking at Jesus, by being in, time, being in connection, in relationship with Jesus. Emmanuel means God reveals himself to us. Emmanuel also means that Jesus identifies himself with us. As I said, God is not a disengaged being. He is not the absentee watchmaker. He did not create everything, spin this top, and then just say, all right, figure it out. No, he's engaged with us. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then if you keep going in that passage in verse 16, it says that we are encouraged to draw near to the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness, and find mercy and grace when we need it because of Christ. Jesus became 
a man. He lived a full and complete life. He did everything we do. He was born. He had to learn how to eat, sleep, walk, talk. He did all of those things. He experienced the good and joyful elements of being in this world and experiencing this creation. But he also experienced the pain and the sorrow. He also experienced temptation. He was tempted in every way that we are. The only thing he didn't experience was sin. Because he didn't have a sin nature. He wasn't born with a sin nature like we are. And he never gave in to temptation like we do sometimes. He was tempted, but in those moments, he resisted temptation. You know those times when you are tempted, when you are weak and exhausted and frustrated, and Satan just presses, presses on that weak spot, presses on that soft spot. And we give in to our temptation. We give in and we sin. Sin is rebellion. Anything outside of the character and will of God, anything contrary to God is sin. And when we sin, that's us rebelling against him in his perfect way. And so Satan will have us press into us and we will sin. And then we justify it by saying, well, nobody's perfect. Everybody does it. No, that's not true. There was this one guy. He pushed back against temptation. We can relate to him. He can relate to us in our temptation. He isn't a distant, far-off creature. Although he was God in the flesh, he was also human. He knows what it's like to be here. He knows what it's like to experience this life. And so when you cry out in pain and frustration and agony and annoyance, you think he didn't feel those things in the garden? You think that night when he was anguishing so bad about what was coming for, for him on Friday that he was sweating drops of blood, he understands agony. He understands pain. This right now is happening virtually. We're doing this live stream. Why? Because we are isolated. And in the last few hours of Jesus' life, while he might have been surrounded by crowds, he was very, very isolated. He was disconnected from everyone that he cared about. In his final hours, he might have been around crowds, but he was abandoned by his closest friends. In his weakest, hardest time, he does go through those things alone. Jesus understands the pain of isolation that we are experiencing these days. Emmanuel means not only was God with us, but God identifies with us. Jesus becomes a human. I can't stress that enough. Why in the world would he do that to himself? Why become a man? Why come and endure this life? And why did he do it the way he did it? Why come be born to two nobodies from the middle of nowhere? Why be born at all? Why come as a baby and have to go through all of that? Jesus had to go through puberty. Why? Why not show up at 30 years old ready to go? Because Emmanuel means God identifies with us in our humanity. In all the craziness and messiness of what it means to be a human, Jesus understands it. He understands what it means to live. Why would he do that? Out of love. Out of love for you and for me. He came to rescue us. He came to do what nobody else could do. Jesus identifies with us in our temptation. He identifies with us in our humanity. But Emmanuel also means that God is trustworthy because he came on a mission. Sin entered into the world. Every relationship was broken. Humans' relationship was broken. Our relationship with God, our relationship even with creation, all of it severed, all of it tainted. There is no more peace. There is no more shalom. 
from everything after sin enters the world is marked by sin itself. It means our default wiring. When we are born, we are born with what we call a sin nature. Our default wiring out of the box is rebels and enemies against God. That's the reality of being a human. But God promised when sin showed up, if you go to Genesis 3, God promised that when sin showed up that he would send one who would fix these broken relationships. He would fix the things that had been attacked by sin. He made a promise that he would send one to bring order to the chaos. That he would send one to crush the head of Satan. That he would bring one who would bring life where there is death. Hope where there is hopelessness. Grace and mercy and forgiveness. He promised that he would send one. And for thousands of years, he keeps repeating that promise. Over and over, as God's people, through all the ups and downs, through the times where they're worshiping him and they're in right standing with God, to the times where they are rebelling against him and and worshiping foreign gods, over and over, God continuously reminds the people, I am with you, I am for you, I have not forgotten about you, just trust me. Trust that I'm still sending that one. I'm still sending that Messiah, that one, that set apart one who's going to do all of the things I promised. Just hold on because I promise he's coming. He gave these glimpses all throughout the Old Testament, these shadows of what it was going to be like, these glimpses and shadows of who it was we were to wait for. One of those is actually where we say the, see the name Emmanuel show up for the first time, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. See, that whole virgin birth thing should have been this like great neon sign, but a bunch of people missed it. Emmanuel is God is with you. God made a promise, and in Jesus, that promise is fulfilled. God came to earth. Jesus became a man, lived a perfect, sinless life. Also, he could get himself to Jerusalem during that Passover so he could be abandoned, betrayed, abused, tortured, and executed. Because, you see, by nature, we are enemies and rebels, desperately in need of help, desperately in need of a savior, someone to save us from our sins, someone to step in who is more powerful than our sin, who is more powerful than our addictions, than our ego, than our pride, someone who is more powerful than even death itself and Satan. And God is the only one. That's why Emmanuel is with us, because he's the only one who could do what needed to be done. He's the only one who could be who we needed him to be. He is the lion and the lamb, as we looked at last week. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The perfect, ultimate, final sacrifice. He comes to rescue us. To break the bonds of sin and death that have enslaved us. Like 45 minutes ago, I told you to go to Hebrews 2. Now we're there. All of that's just introduction. Hebrews 2, starting in verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. Jesus became a human, took on flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection, he destroys any power Satan might have. And he delivers all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Before Christ, we were slaves to sin, slaves and stuck in our own way, stuck under the wrath our sin, commit, our sin de- demands. 
But through his death, he breaks us out of that. He delivers us from that slavery. Verse 16, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's you and me. 17, therefore, he, made, he, had, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect. Excuse me. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation. Stop on propitiation. That's a big church word that we got to talk about. Propitiation, it means appeasement of, satisfaction of. Jesus had appeased something in relation to sin. He is the appeasement of, for the wrath of God that our sin has earned. The judge that we will one day stand before, he demands perfect, complete justice. Sin must be dealt with. It has its consequences. And that perfect, holy judge, God, demands that justice be carried out. And Jesus fulfills that need for justice, that need for sin to be punished by going to the cross and dying for us. And his resurrection, that reason why we celebrate, that is proof that his sacrifice was accepted. And so back in to Hebrews. He came to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He appeased our sins before God. Verse 18, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to come, but he did. Emmanuel means God is trustworthy. It means that God made a promise that he would send one, and in Jesus, that promise is kept. When that baby cried in that manger, everything was changed. When he hangs on a cross, oh, the irony that the son of the carpenter hangs on a piece of wood, and when he does, every sin on him was laid. Every sin from Adam and Eve biting into that fruit, every sin up to the cross, and every sin that will ever be committed until Christ come back, he, every sin on him was laid, and he paid for every one of them in his death. Our default is sin and rebellion. Jesus says your new default can be based in my righteousness, my perfection. If you would put your faith and trust in him, in him alone. If you would believe that Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection was enough to pay for your sins. To take you from rebel and enemy to daughter or son. If you will do that, there is grace and mercy and new life to be found. And that's why we celebrate. That's why today is so important. That's why this idea that the coronavirus was going to cancel Easter, it doesn't matter if we can't gather together. They can't cancel Easter. It's too big. It's too powerful. It's too important because our God is trustworthy. We celebrate because though the disciples didn't stay with him and the crowds didn't understand him and the Pharisees didn't want him and the Romans didn't believe him, though the cross did kill him, the grave didn't hold him. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Oh, death, where is your sting? Death has no hold on us anymore because Christ defeated death. He defeated sin. And it is possible for you this morning, right now, where you are sitting, in your pajamas, on your couch, it is possible for you to become a son or daughter of God. If you would put your faith in Christ. I'm going to stop for just a second. We're going to pray right now. And if you have not put your faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, I invite you right now in this minute. I'm going to pray. And just repeat the prayers I pray. Let today be that day you get welcomed into the family of God. You experience firsthand for the first time just how trustworthy and powerful God is. Oh God, I admit that I am a sinner. 
God, I admit I have rebelled against you. And I need your help. God, I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. That Jesus is God in the flesh. That Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I choose for Jesus to be my Savior. I choose for Jesus to be my Lord. I choose for Jesus to be everything. I choose him over everything else. I'm tired of trying to do this my way. God, I want you. Amen. If that's you this morning, if you have put your faith in him this morning, if you pray that prayer and you honestly actually believe that, I invite you, either make a comment on this right here, send me an email, pastortimcf at gmail.com. If somebody could throw that in the comments, throw me an email. I'd love to walk alongside with you. I'd love to answer any questions you have, put some materials in your hand. It doesn't matter that we can't do this face-to-face. I want, to be, I want to help you grow in this because what you just did, if you put your faith in him today, that is the biggest, most important, most powerful decision you could possibly make. Everything is new. Everything is different. There is new life to be had this morning through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our God is trustworthy. We can rely on him. And the fact that he kept this big, ultimate, powerful pro- promise That shows that every other promise he makes, we can trust. When he says, I'm going to take care of you because I take care of the birds of the air and I take care of the flowers in the grass and you are so much more precious to me than that, I'm going to take care of you, we can trust that. When he promises in Exodus 14 that he will fight for us, we can trust that he will fight for us. When he tells us in Psalm 147 that he heals broken hearts and he binds up the wounded, we can trust our mending to him. When he promises Isaiah 41 that he will strengthen us, we can trust he will strengthen us. Emmanuel means you can open up this book and you can read God's word and you can read his promises and know that he always keeps his promises because he kept the big promise, so he's going to keep all the rest of them too. When he promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. When he promises that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age, we can trust that he's going to do that. Emmanuel means that God is with us. Emmanuel means God is knowable. It means Jesus identifies with us. It means God is trustworthy, and it means that we are never alone. He is always with you. When Jesus came to earth as Emmanuel, He was physically in one location, but he told us it is to our advantage that he leave earth because then he could send the helper. Jesus in the flesh could only be in one location at one time, but the Holy Spirit can be everywhere always, and he is. Matthew 28, 20, Jesus promises that we have God with us forever. We are never alone. That promise is to the believer, to the person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus and him alone. And if that's you, even if it happened this morning, even if it happened five minutes ago, you have been given, you have access, you have full and complete access to the full and complete power of the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, you have access, you have the ability to tap into that. He is with you, to guide you, to lead you. If you will listen and trust him, that's God speaking directly to you. You don't have to endure anything on your own. In this season of isolation, it is important to remember that while we may be socially distant, we are not spiritually disconnected, brothers and sisters. He's not going anywhere. He's not taking a break. He's not taking days off. 
we have an absolute confidence that we can live as the lights of the world he has called us to be because we know we have God with us. He wouldn't call us to something and then not give us the ability to do it. He says, you go be the lights of the world. You go be the ones who point people to me. And we know we can do that not on our own power, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. Emmanuel brings the infinite holy God within reach of us finite humans. Jesus came to live and die with us so that we could spend eternity with him. In Matthew 1.23, Jesus is called Emmanuel. It's where he quotes Isaiah. God with us. And then the book of Matthew closes with this promise that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. He is with us to forgive us, to sanctify us, to strengthen us, to comfort us, to challenge us, to lead us, to guide us, to grow us. He is with us in the hard and the ugly and the darkness, and he is with us in the good and the joyful and the light. He is with us through the word of God. Yes, we can understand and know him in studying scripture, but he is with us in the Holy Spirit himself, always in our midst. He is with us personally, even though we might not feel, we might feel lost, we might feel distant, the Holy Spirit is with you always if you have put your faith in Christ. And so even though the doors of the church might be locked, we know God is with us. Because God is Emmanuel, even though we can't be together in a large group like we'd want to, we know God is with us. Because God is Emmanuel, even though we walk through the valley of darkness, we are comforted. Why? Because God is with us. Because God is Emmanuel, even though we are restless and we're starting to have some serious cabin fever, we know God is with us. Because God is Emmanuel, neither height nor depth nor wave nor wind can separate us from him because we know God is with us. Because God is Emmanuel, we know that he is always with us and he's never going to leave us. We know because God is Emmanuel that he is trustworthy. He proved it through Jesus and the resurrection. Because God is Emmanuel, we know that Christ understands us experientially. Because God is Emmanuel, we know that God is knowable. He has revealed himself to us. Because God is Emmanuel, we know that God is with us always. God came to earth. God was with us. God is with us. God will always be with us. And we will never stop being able to connect to him, being able to go to the throne boldly with confidence. God is with us and will never stop being with us and he will never stop because our faith, our hope, our redemption, our righteousness, our salvation, our everything is grounded and founded in the firm foundation of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. God, I thank you that you would send your son to die for us. That you would send your son, your one and only son, your beloved, the one you love, that you would send him to die for us. God, I thank you that that plan was put in motion thousands upon thousands of years ago that you are always and have always been in control of everything all the time. 
God, I pray, Lord, that if anyone doesn't know you, if anyone still hasn't made that choice, that today is that day. Lord, I thank you that today is that day for some people, that today is that day that they're going to be able to look back on and see Easter 2020 as that day, that life-changing day. And God, if anyone is still holding out, if anyone is still trying to do things their own way, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts to this message of grace and hope and love and truth, that Jesus came to earth to die on the cross for our sins in our place. God, as we continue in this season of quarantines and isolation and social distancing, Lord, it is hard and long and we're tired. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you to find our joy in you, to find our very energy, Lord, that we might come back to you, that we would come back to you thirsty and hungry, looking to be filled up and fed and have our thirst quenched in you so that we can continue to endure through this and endure well, that we can continue to wait well for not only for this to be over, but for you to come back, for us to get to spend eternity with you, Lord, help us to wait well. Help us to wait actively. Help us to not let these days just pass us by. Lord, you have told us that we are the light of the world. You didn't give us the option. You didn't say, hey, if it's, you got a chance, you should be a light. You said you are the light of the world if we are a follower of Christ. Lord, help us to shine those lights brightly. Help us to live well. Help us to respond well to this life you have called us to. Help us to respond well to this gospel, this good news. Let us never take it for granted. Let us never forget about it or ignore it or push it to the side. But every day rediscover and re-remember our desperate need for our Savior and the great, unconditional, amazing, overwhelming love that you showed through Jesus' death and resurrection. God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, and we praise your big and powerful and awesome name. Amen.